0: I thought it was right. <laughs> Welcome to our newest program of the Local Food Roundup. I'm Chris LaPaglia.
1: And I'm Ann Bose. We're here to bring you our ongoing series of news, views, and interviews about local food here on the Palouse.
0: So this week, we have two new developments in the local food scene. One of them is that the Local Food Roundup has been launched into cyberspace. Now, uh, we're not computer nerds. We really are garden nerds. It's a lot like a garden gnome, only more obsessive and a lot taller. But yeah, we've stepped outside of our comfort zone and worked on getting the local food roundup out into cyberspace. So there's a couple ways you can get at it. Now, every show on KRFP is in... A podcast format for about two weeks. They hold it and you can get a hold of that at krfp.org and you can hear any show you want but if you want to hear the local food roundup you would go and search Anchor FM local food roundup and boom there's a whole list of it. So that's uh, launching local food out into cyberspace. You can Listen to almost all of our old shows. We're trying to put them all on there as fast as we can figure out what we're doing. And we're getting it done. And they're there for you to use. You can play them on your local radio station as long as you acknowledge KRFP Moscow. We're happy to have people share them and tweet them and pop them and cast them. I don't know what all you want to do with them. But have at it, folks. It's a local food roundup for everyone, forever, as far as I can tell. And the other new and exciting thing in the local food scene here in Pullman is there's a new farmer's market coming up, starting today, as you are listening to this show for the first time. So listen up. Hi, Holly Carter. Welcome to the local food roundup.
1: Hi, thank you for having me.
0: Okay, well, uh, what do you do here in Moscow? How about a quick CV? How'd you get here? What do you do?
1: Sure. Uh, So I grew up in Genesee, and now I live in Moscow. I'm going to U of I uh, for a nutrition and sustainable agriculture degree. And I'm currently working for uh, U of I Extension Works, doing uh, basically community education for the community.
0: So you're a student still, and working on your degree, Mm -hmm. and I guess I wanted to talk to you about all kinds of things about local food, but let's jump right in and talk about the Tuesday Growers Market that you're involved with.
1: Awesome. So we're revamping the Tuesday Growers Market to the Tuesday Community Market, which is only held once a month, and it's throughout the summer. It starts in June, so a couple days from now, June 5th through October 2nd. And it's basically an opportunity for beginner farmers, beginner crafters, basically people trying to start their own business or just like to do it on the side, just to gain market experience. So it's basically just an entryway or an incubation for the people of the community to sell their crafts and get experience.
0: So what makes it kind of a uh, entry level market?
1: Well, it's really cheap. <laughs> it's, it's more of a casual market we wanted to make it have a festival feel. So we have a food truck, we have a beer vendor, we're gonna have live music, and the vendors, we're planning to have vendors change each month. So vendors are welcome to sign up for more than one month, but we're trying to get as many people as possible into this market so that's just more of an opportunity for people because it's open to the public. And you don't have to really go through a board like the Saturday market. So I would say it's just a more laid back, cheap, easy to get into, but with quality stuff, of course.
0: And you have vendors, so you can bring crafts or food. Mm-hmm. And is, is it on a first come, first served basis? Do you have a limited number of slots?
1: We don't have a limited number of slots, no. We're trying to fill up as much as possible. But at the moment, I think we have around 10 vendors planning to be in June. And hopefully that'll build throughout the summer. But summer's a busy time for people. So I understand if they can't make every market.
0: The show, I think, will be airing on Tuesday right before the market. So actually it's happening today, even though we're talking about it. Couple, got it a couple days before it, it's really going to be today the market okay and it's at the moscow fairgrounds
1: yep mm-hmm. uh, in right. the lawn area by the stage
0: nice so and you're gonna have live music up on the stage who's playing today
1: that was a last minute deal so that's iris's job kind of my partner in oh, this project okay.
0: so it's the mystery band
1: basically okay. <laughs> yeah
0: the mystery band will be playing Today. today. <laughs> That's yeah. exciting. So how, how much does it cost for a vendor?
1: It costs $10 for a vending space, but the more markets you sign up for, you get a discount. So if you sign up for three events, it's 10% off, and if you sign up for all five, you get 15% off. In addition to that, vendors get a $15 discount on Rural Roots membership. So Rural Roots is a nonprofit organization here in Moscow, and they focus on helping farmers, helping the community with education. They do a lot of projects. They're putting on the late July festival. I don't know if you've heard of that, but it's a it's a really fun event. There's music. It's very similar to the Tuesday Market, but we're gonna have more beer vendors. There's gonna be more food trucks. It's gonna be, it's gonna be a great event. But anyway, Rural Roots will give you a discount if you're a vendor at the Tuesday Community Market. And they'll actually feature you on their website. They'll do a little little background on each vendor if you sign up for a membership. So it's a really good opportunity to get your customer basis going if you're wanting to do this business for a while.
0: And it's going to be then the first Tuesday of the month. that would be June, July, August, September, October. Am I right?
1: That's correct. Mm-hmm.
0: And what time is the market?
1: Market starts at 4 o'clock and runs till about 7 p.m., just in time to get off work.
0: That's <laughs> the goal. So kind of an afternoon market. Mm-hmm. Well, that's nice that you're bringing sort of another venue. It gives people a chance to buy and sell local foods. Mm-hmm. You say you have 10 vendors. Do you have some idea of the range of foods that are going to be there?
1: Sure. So in June, we're going to have Deep Roots Farm, so they're going to be selling a lot of starts. But they said they had eggplant, tomato starch, zucchini, squash, strawberries, and hanging baskets, which was super cool. And then we also have hands and hearts coming, which is Ames Fowler. We also have uh, Jennifer Orchid, who she raises goats. And she has goat milk, soaps, and lotions, and super cool products. We have some photography from a local guy. That's all I can think of at the moment, but it's a pretty big range of the products we're going to have.
0: Okay, so there's a variety, and the, the mm-hmm. only food ready to eat, you have a food truck coming. That'll be the food that's ready to eat.
1: Yeah, yeah. So in June, we're going to have Duke's Place there. We're going to have opportunities for people and families to come grab a bite to eat, maybe grab a beer, and just listen to music, just enjoy the community. Nice. Mm-hmm.
0: Well, what other kind of projects are you involved in here in Moscow?
1: Uh, sure, I actually uh, work on a farm. I work for Victory Farm with Keegan Assey and Adam Reed. They sell at the Saturday market. They also have a CSA membership, and so trying to get more involved with the with the action part of agriculture. I'm busy with school. <laughs> I'm uh, because I'm a double major. It's keeping me busy with projects and. School work, basically but you get the
0: summer off right
1: i do yes so i'm working with extension a lot more we're actually working well we're wrapping up a beginner farmer class that we had throughout the winter so it's a four month, i guess one saturday per month for four months is <laughs> a class that helps people learn about budgeting and getting a customer basis and basically starting their business so we're encouraging those students to come attend this Tuesday market because it's a perfect opportunity for them to practice if they have land available to them and basically just work on their dream
0: you know and for $10 I mean for a farmers market that is pretty cheap $10 dollars hmm yeah
1: For sure. Yeah, we're trying to make it available for as many people as possible because starting your own business is not cheap. So we want to just help people get their feet under them, you know?
0: I know I'm calling you. You just got back from a farm tour, correct me if I'm wrong?
1: Yeah. No, I did. Where'd you go? Uh, We went to Linked Hearts Farm, which focuses on chicken. They have lamb and turkeys and lot of animal agriculture and they also have a you pick csa which is really cool uh people can sign up for that and then just go on their own time to pick vegetables and take it to their take it to their homes. Mm -hmm. so
0: and where are they located um,
1: they're out uh towards palouse they're just outside of palouse on the washington border
0: that's pretty local
1: yeah for sure we also have another farm tour coming up it's open to the community, and it's uh, Greg Hodap, Berry and Dairy, down in Lewiston.
0: Okay, we ran him on the local food round, I want to say, two weeks ago.
1: Oh, awesome. Yeah. That's cool. Yeah.
0: And he has, uh, you pick strawberries.
1: Yeah, yeah, I heard about that. Yeah, and he took uh, the beginning farmer class that I was talking about previously, and so now he's getting going. Finally up and running, so...
0: Yeah, it's nice to see. You just mentioned a farm tour that's starting. Why don't you give us the particulars of that? How would people get a hold of you if they want to go on your next farm tour?
1: Sure. You can look at our Small Farms and Horticulture page on Facebook, or you can send me an email at h. C-A-R-T-E-R, at Us. You can also go to the Extension website which will have dates, and we are involved with Cultivating Success, which also has a page. If you want to just Google search Cultivating Success, they will come up, and we can give you information. Just contact us.
0: So what kind of programs do they have? If you could riff on that for a while, what are they doing to support local agriculture? You're talking about trainings and farm tours. What else you got?
1: So we do a speaker series. We pair up with Rural Roots. And we have a new speaker each month at Hungadanga Brewing Company. And we have different topics. One person talked about seed production. We had another talk about working with bees. In addition to that, we have the 4-H programs. And we have home gardening course that's happening right now. So we just did a segment on sustainable lawn care, and landscape design. So really we have a lot of opportunities, I guess. There's a lot of classes, a lot of speakers and lectures about, and activities too, to learn about how to take care of your own lawn, how to take care of your own garden.
0: And all these are free classes or?
1: Yeah, not? large majority of them are. Okay. The beginning farmer's course is not. However, it's pretty affordable if you're wanting to start your own farm.
0: Okay, and you focus mostly on the business end of it, less on the agriculture side.
1: Uh, for that program, we do, but, well, I wouldn't say that. I would say that we focus half and half on business, profitability, and then we also focus on, like, soil health and how to take care of your plants, timing, basically how to operate the full system, <laughs> the, the loop. <laughs> does that make sense? <laughs>
0: yes, it does. Yeah. Okay. So it's kind of a comprehensive class.
1: Mm-hmm. Yep. It's great. It's a really awesome opportunity.
0: And you said you have a double major you're working on there at U of I? What is it? Agriculture and...
1: And nutrition. I started with nutrition and... Then I wanted to take it further and look at more of the agriculture side and the quality of our food. It's very closely related how the soil helps the plants grow. Those soil nutrients go into the plant and then into our bodies. And right now with all of the commercial ag, it's easy to forget where our food comes from and how it's grown. Lots of people don't know how it's grown. I didn't until I started my major, and so I think it's really cool to have both of these degrees so that I can correlate (laughs) where my food comes from, how it's made, how it gets to my table.
0: Sounds like you're working on the business end of it as well, a little bit.
1: A little bit, yeah. I wouldn't mind being a farmer either.
0: (laughs) That's maybe in the future for you, a little bit down the road?
1: Yeah, yeah. At least a big garden for me, but yeah, I'm hoping to change my job a little bit, see what I really like.
0: Have you come to a conclusion that there's an advantage to local food in terms of the nutrition? I mean, what are the distinct advantages?
1: Sure. Less transportation, less handling and packaging. There's a lot of critical control points. That's when, when you identify like a potential problem that could cause food contamination. I would say there's less of those with packaging. Farmers or at Victory Farm at least, we wash the produce and then we put it in the bins and then it goes straight to market. There's just less room for contamination. There's also, you know, less fuel, that use because you don't have to transfer it from all across the world. You know, it's right in your community. And I think the food tastes better, personally. Uh, lots of people can't tell the difference, but working on a farm, tasting it right off the right off the branch right off the root it's completely different it's still alive yeah exactly it's not frozen it's not uh, pampered with so much so that you can get the real the real deal basically (laughs) Uh Uh,
0: one thing i've noticed talking to people and it's got to affect the food is that there's a pride there you know you're selling your food you're selling it right to the consumer or very close mm-hmm. to it, and, and you have tried, so naturally you're going to put a little bit more of whatever it takes to, to keep it good.
1: Sure, yeah. Yeah, it's uh, it's amazing to see what you saw as a seed, and then it grow up to be a beet or a turnip, and then seeing people buy it or seeing you eat it, like, it's uh, pretty cool. <laughs> it takes a lot of hard work. To produce one plant so to have an entire farm and to operate like that you have to put in a lot of work and a lot of care you have to care about what you're doing and you have to be passionate about farming and about your community
0: how about in terms of profitability or, or the business in general do you think there's room for more farmers who want to make a living at it that they could make a decent living if they want to work hard
1: I think that depends on the consumer If people really focus on buying local food and supporting their community members, I think that there is room. But right now we have a lot of people to feed and I don't know if there's a misconception about local food being too expensive, but it is available at the moment. And I think if there's more demand, then people will go into the business for sure.
0: So you're saying that We need to actually grow the demand a little bit in order to fill up the system and make local food more common.
1: Yeah, I think consumers just have to make the choice on whether, yes, I'm going to buy local food, for the most part, of course. I mean, everyone wants fruit in December, you know, but in general, I think it it boosts the economy, the local economy, when people buy local food. And it's put back into their businesses, and then they're able to buy more food. So again, it's a system that makes local food more available, and I think makes people want to buy it. Because when you have a relationship with a farmer, you're more likely to support them and want to buy their food, want to volunteer. I know that's how I got involved. So I forgot what the question was, but <laughs> well, I don't
0: know. Well, you're doing fine, <laughs> I guess. Just how it how it ties in that we actually sort of an economy of scale. It's not that you need necessarily bigger farms, but maybe more of them. But we need more outlets, and more storage. You talked about fruit. We could we could grow all our own fruit uh, if we had the infrastructure to store it locally. Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah, well, and it also depends on the season. So Moscow has four distinct seasons. Lots of places don't, and so they're able to produce for a longer period of time. But the Palouse has such good land for you know legumes and uh, root vegetables, and I think that it's a, it's a healthy soil. But I think just if the if the people demand it more, there will be a larger opportunity for farmers and I think that they are able to output more than they are right now. I can't say that for all farmers. I know they're very busy but (laughs) but there is opportunity yeah.
0: There is opportunity out there. So uh, what do you think are the long-term prospects of say the Palouse pretty much feeding itself?
1: Ooh, I think that unless there's a total disaster we will mainly demand commercially grown and international food. However, I think if the mindset changes to more of like the support, the experience of local food, then I think that will change. I think there will be a larger majority of people buying local food
0: in the future. So do you think things like, say if the price of gas quadrupled, maybe local food would be a lot lot more attractive?
1: Yeah, yeah. If people make the two and two together.
0: Right. Well, they wouldn't be shipping it.
1: Right, right. But I don't think that people think about that as much. I don't think that when people go to the grocery store, they think about the gas that it took for their food to get there. They think about the convenience of the food being at their store down the street.
0: But could conceivably local food then become cheaper? Or, or just certain yeah. specialties, just certain things that we can grow here easily?
1: I think that local food would become cheaper because there would be more of it. There would be a higher demand, and people would have to start to grow more. When there's, there's larger quantities, the price goes down, potentially.
0: So, yeah, what we're really, I guess, coming around to is that, yes, okay, maybe we could do it, but we would need a large change in the way people are thinking right now, or a a big shift in the economics to make local food, uh, you know, 90% or so or more of what we eat.
1: For sure, yeah. But I think it's possible, definitely. But there does need to be a change if we want that to happen.
0: My last question... I usually say for the end, is what have you eaten that was local lately? Something good that you ate, local food.
1: Mm, I had some really good turnips from Victory Farm the other day. Pulled it right out of the ground and ate it.
0: (laughs) Mm, Sweet. Yeah. Well, Holly Carter, thanks a lot for joining us in the Local Food Roundup.
1: Yeah, thank you for having me. I really appreciate it in mm-hmm.
0: Well, that's it for this show. The Local Food Roundup is a production of KRFP in Moscow, Idaho.
1: As always, the views presented in this program do not necessarily represent the views of KRFP, its board, staff, or members.
0: And remember that local food may not be free, but...
1: It sure can set you free.
0: Thanks for listening. Roll
2: Yeah. Hungry every minute of the day Roly-poly, gnawing on a biscuit Long as he can chew it, it's okay He can eat an apple pie and never even bat a knife He likes everything from soup to hay Roly-poly, daddy's a little fatty Bet he's gonna be a man someday scrambled eggs for breakfast bread and jelly 20 times a day roly-poly eats a hearty dinner it takes lots of strength to run and play yes yes pulls up weeds and does the chores and he runs both ways to all the stores he works up an appetite that way Oh, oh. oh roll Daddy's a little fatty, bet he's gonna be a man someday.